So as 2019 has now begun, let me ask you this. What do you expect 2019 to hold for you? Do you expect it to be better than last year? Better than 2018? What will happen this year? How will your life be affected? Is there anything as you look forward into this year that you're anxious about? Anything that as you look out at this year in the unknown and what's before you, that there's a level of anxiety about what this year may bring. It's not difficult to either turn on your radio or television and see things to be anxious about in our news. Having a balance and power difference in Congress. Having a government shutdown. How about a stock market? Up a thousand points, down, and then does that hit home? How will my 401 be affected? Well, how about my health this next year? How about my health coverage? Is that going to be sufficient? How about my job? Is it safe? Oh, I've got to do my taxes. How is that going to go? I'm starting to get my mail. Did I spend too much for Christmas on my credit cards? Oh, maybe this year I'll need that new AC. It's getting older. My rent, will it go up? My kids, how will they do in school? On and on and on. Whatever your season of life, whatever your station of life, there is much that can make you anxious. So beginning a new year can just bring some low-level anxiety just up to a front burner as we're kind of forced to look at it and to plan, to look out. You see, we're all anxious about something. Raise your hand if you're in the room and you're not anxious about anything. Because I'd like to talk to you. Some of us do pretty well until all of a sudden that certain thing happens or that certain thing doesn't happen. Some of us are more controlled by anxiety on a daily basis. But we're all affected. So what if I told you this morning that I want to tell you how you can live 2019 anxiety-free? Would you think that's a bit of fake news? Or one of the promises that we see in His Word? See, this morning we're able to open up His Scripture and see how it does speak to the Christian. How do we think about our lives in a very uncertain world? with a very uncertain future, where anxiety on all different levels really is our experience. And we can all identify with anxiety, can't we? really doesn't need any definition. Describing it's not the issue. Responding to it in a way that keeps it from controlling us is the issue. You see, we all have adversity in our life, and we always will until Christ returns. Jerry Bridges, a renowned author, says this. He says, accept the adversity and resist the anxiety. We do the opposite. And typically we do. We want to resist the adversity that comes into our life. But we embrace the anxiety. I believe God's word would tell us that that needs to be turned around. So how do we do that? How does the Bible tell us How does the Bible instruct us as believers to respond to the adversity in our life that brings anxiety 
into us each and every day. Open your Bible, if you would, to the book of Philippians. I'll be reading three short verses out of Philippians chapter 4, verses 5, 6, and 7. says this, the Word of God says, Let your reasonableness or gentleness, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts in your minds, in Christ Jesus. Please, let's pray together as we begin. Father, it is our privilege to open your word and to hear from you. Father, as the preacher this morning, as the one that is privileged to bring and teach from your word, Lord, I'm aware of my need. And Lord, I ask your blessing to be able to preach clearly and effectively the truth of your word. And Father, we pray for us as a church. Father, as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, I pray for us here at Sovereign Grace. Pray that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened. That you would know the hope to which you've been called. The glorious inheritance that we have as saints. And the incomparably great power for us who believe. Father, We position ourselves to hear from your word today. I ask your help, Lord, to be clear and allow your word, Lord, to care for our souls. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I have three points this morning. First point is his presence with us. The second point will be his command to us. And the third point will be his promise for us. (coughs) I've been fighting kind of a cough, so I'm a little anxious that my cough is going to come up at different times. Seriously. But let's let's look at this passage, and let's begin with that first point, his presence with us. Now, as we look at this passage, familiar maybe to many of you. Our tendency when we look at this is to drop right into verse 6, isn't it? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's typically where we begin. But there's a different place to start. If you notice in, in the English Standard Version, verse 5 doesn't begin, excuse me, the sentence doesn't begin where verse 6 begins, does it? There's a semicolon. And then there's that command, do not be anxious about anything. But before that command, there's a statement that's part of that sentence, that's part of that communication, that's part of this truth that God is wanting us to get our hands on and to see and to understand. How you read that, 
helps you understand the focus that God would have from this passage. Let me give you this illustration I heard another pastor use at one time in the past. He said, the word resume, R-E-S-U-M-E, and the word resume are spelled exactly the same. R-E-S-U-M-E. The only difference is where you put the accent. But where you put that accent makes a total difference in how you understand the meaning of that word. Where we place the accent this morning is going to make a difference in how we read this text. We want to place the accent where God places the accent. Our tendency is to place the accent on us. Oh, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Yes, that's what I need to do. So we put the accent first and foremost on us. Now, we do have responsibility here, but the accent, the power, the presence of God is the foundation of this passage and how God encourages us to live anxiety-free. We want to understand and see where and why God places the accent, the focus in this passage where he does. Let's look at that beginning phrase. The beginning of verse 5. Excuse me. It's the middle of verse 5, but it says, the Lord is at hand. That's just just a throwaway verse. That's just not getting me to the command that I need to obey. The Lord is at hand. Another way to say that is the Lord is near. Now listen how Paul would communicate this. How they, when they read this letter that was written to them from Paul in Roman imprisonment, I would imagine they would have heard it something like this. The Philippians, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord's at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I believe that's the way God intends for us to read this passage. Not the one that leaves the accent on us. I'm anxious. What does the word say? Oh, don't be anxious about anything. Okay, I need to not be anxious about What do I need to do? Pray. Okay, don't be anxious about anything, but pray. Okay, I'm not praying enough as it is. So now I need something else to pray about. And the accent on us. Now the accent is on God. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. That's intended to lift our eyes up off of what we're focused on, ourselves, what we fear about ourselves, and place them on the one who is greater than all that we fear. You see, this phrase right here, the Lord is at hand, means quite literally, God is here. He's here with us. He's here with you. If you're a believer, Christ is. Is with you. You see, this isn't a concept that Paul is trying to get us to understand. This is a reality. Christ himself said, before he was resurrected, the end of Matthew, excuse me, not resurrected, ascended at the end of Matthew 28, 20, he says, and behold, 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, he's here with us. What does that mean? Let's think about that. That means we are never alone. When we're anxious, when we're fearful, we feel alone. We feel it's up to us. We feel we have to get through, figure out. Well, if we begin where this sentence begins, if we begin and put the accent where God does, we begin at a different place. We begin at the places he's, he's with me. I'm not alone. You see, God is never far away. We can feel that he is in the midst of our lives and challenges, in the midst of our sinfulness. We can feel that God is not in the zip code. But this word here tells us something different. God is with you. God is at hand. It also means he's always here. There's never a moment in time that he's not with you. And this should inform every aspect of our lives. He's everywhere we are. At work, he's there. In the car, he's there. At home, he's there. Asleep, he's there. In trouble, he's there. He is with us. Hebrews 13.5, Christ says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So this is the truth of Scripture I'm communicating to you. This is the foundation that Paul helps him to see how to live in an anxious season of life. See, the Lord at hand, as we continue to mine that and look at the richness that Paul would bring to us, that God would bring to us in this phrase that comes with us, the knowledge that he has come to us. We've just gone through the Advent series about God coming to us and focused on the fact that the Lord being at hand means that he came. The reality of his advent into our world to live that sinless life that became the propitiation for our sin. That substitutionary death on the cross bringing forgiveness and eternal life. The Lord is at hand. Yes, the Lord is with us. That's the power and the strength and the authority and the rule and the dominion that is being spoken of here. That's the foundation that I cannot be anxious. My God is this God that came. My God is at hand. My God is near. Even last week when we were listening to the message, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> there's that anxious cough. When we were listening to the message out of Ephesians 4, verse 6, just to remind us is this, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all, what? And in all. If you're a believer, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is always with you. It's the foundation and power to be able to do what he calls us to do. That phrase, the Lord is at hand, acts kind of a, as a hinge in our passage. In other words, it affects the sentences that are on each side of it. The first sentence in our verse is, let the, your reasonableness or your gentleness be known to everyone. What that's saying is, it's an emphasis on unity. Allow your 
self as brothers and sisters in Christ to live with one another in such a way that they would see this truth, this reasonableness, this gentleness, and it would be affecting people in the community and in the world. Well, how do you do that? The Lord's at hand. Even before that, in verse 4, what does it say? Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And again, I say rejoice. How do you do that? You realize the Lord's at hand. Even though our focus is going to be primarily on the other side of that as we look at anxiety and how to approach that and how God does that, this truth nestled in this passage affects them both and affects us and should. That's where the accent falls in this passage, on God, not on us. Do we have responsibility? Yes, we do. But where does the power come from? The fact that the Lord's broken into our lives. He's at hand. He's near. He is with us. Hear that accent fall? God is with us. The second point that I have this morning is His command to us. So first, His presence is with us. The Lord is at hand. Now, His command to us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer, through prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, as we read this portion of the passage, even as I just did, we've got to remember this is in light of that first part of the sentence. Because if we don't, the accent quickly falls to us. See, we're very familiar with anxiety. We've all experienced anxiety. Let's take a moment. Let's talk about really what that is. Anxiety, another word that's used in the Scripture to describe that, can come a little closer to home. Worry. Worry is another way to express anxiety. Worry is a word that the Bible uses Another word we can totally identify with. But I found it helpful to look at that a little bit. I read a book, Living Without Worry, by Tim, Timothy Lane, and he makes a distinction between worry and concern. Because I think we can fall into the trap of feeling like, well, that person has a personality to where they, they just don't worry about anything. I want to be like that. Well, no, what, what is worry? Worry is not concern. Concern's appropriate. We should have concern for the right things. We should have concern for our health. And a response to that may be an annual checkup. But where proper concern moves to worry is when it becomes over-concern. And I think we can see that in our lives when we cross that bridge. In my illustration, where it's proper concern to go to the doctor or have an annual physical checkup, just concern for your health and over-concern may be the fact that every time you see something or hear something having to do with health of a friend or you, you have a sensation or a feeling, you're quick to go online to doctor online, whatever it might be, and check your symptoms and see if you have them. And if not, you see, that can be an over-concern. Over-concern. 
worry is sin. It's not trusting God. It's not looking to God. Concern is not a sin. When I was growing up, uh, back in the black and white era, they had this TV show called Dr. Welby, M.D., and it was this weekly show where it showed just this doctor's practice, and we would watch it. And what I heard later is, interestingly enough, is whatever medical issue was reviewed in that specific episode, the following week throughout the nation, there would be an increase of patients to come up to get diagnosed for what that issue was as being revealed. Overconcern. Over-concern is worry. We do not want to fall prey to that. Now, we all, everyone in this room has reason to worry. And much, really, that presses into our lives that's demanding over-concern. Well, the Philippians were no different. In fact, the Philippians had much to be over-concerned about. You see, they lived in an agrarian society where daily food, shelter, clothing was not a guarantee. There's no government safety net of welfare as we would have in America. So every day, their sustenance would have been a concern, an appropriate concern. Paul was wanting to help them to, how do you deal when it's an over-concern? But for them, in addition, their government didn't recognize Christianity, but persecuted it. Society in the same way. So they would have much to be concerned about. And that tension, that temptation for that to become over-concerned had to be great. See, as they heard this admonition from Paul that the Lord's at hand... that they should not be anxious about their lives. How challenging that must be. But Paul's purpose was to help them to first see how great their God is and allow them then to see how that affects how they think about their very lives. Same for us. As we review this command from God, very genuine command to us to not be anxious, But pray. Let's not miss where God places the accent just once again on himself. He has power over our lives. Let's let's mind this verse a little bit more. The Lord's at hand. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. But in everything. Pray. Pray. See, there's something else that's being communicated about God here. There's another accent that falls into our passage as Paul explains what God is commanding, challenging, directing, leading, instructing them to do. On the foundation of his power, the Lord's at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in anything. And everything. You see, there's something here that he speaks about the complete comprehensiveness of our God to care for us. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything to pray. There's nothing that's left out here. (coughs) Excuse me. There is nothing that will ever affect any believer's life in some way that falls into some kind of category that's not included in this invitation by God to come to Him in prayer. Because He includes everything. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. There's absolutely nothing that He can't carry with us. He's with us. Excuse me, just one second. (coughs) (coughs) Then he adds something. Again, there's, there's no such thing as a disposable word in God's Word. Just don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, completely comprehensive. Let your prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving be made to God. With thanksgiving. See, we're to come with thanksgiving. We, we can't see into the, this next year. We, we can only choose to trust the one who shapes next year. But one thing that helps build our trust is remembering and giving thanks to Him for what He's done in the past. When you don't feel close to God, when you just feel distant, well, we know He's not, but what allows you to help take that feeling and let it line up with the truth and the reality of what God's Word says? Thanksgiving is one of those ways. Because as you express thanksgiving, what you're doing is you're remembering. You're remembering what He's done. You're giving thanks for who He is, what He's done, what you remember, how He's touched your life, where He's intervened, what you've needed, how He's come through, where He's answered prayer. In the Old Testament, God encourages Moses to help the people remember. Remember the manna. Why? Because it helps them to realize God's near. Remember how we cross the Red Sea. Remember how we cross the Jordan River. Remember and give thanks. And Paul includes this. God includes this through Paul as an expression that helps us focus on the truth and the fact that God is near. Last week we had an encouragement during our worship time from Zach Boonsma. He was drawing attention to what God has done in the past in our church. And as he began to just review, saying there's people here that were saved and baptized last year. There were people here that were addicted to substances and were freed. There are people here that had their marriages in a difficult place that are now healthy. It helps us to see what God has done and raises our level of faith and trust and Focus on God. That's what Paul's doing here. That's what I would encourage us to do in our lives. Let's remember what God's done and let's thank Him. But this 
aspect of thanksgiving also has another accent from God, another indicator of his goodness to us. Look what he does. He asks us to bring our petitions and our prayers with thanksgiving. And he requires nothing else. He doesn't say here that we need to come to him with promises. God, I'll do better. Or come to him with commitments. I'm not going to do that again. Or come to him when we have our sin taken care of. No. He says, come in prayer. You're anxious? Pray. Come with thanksgiving. That's all he asks. This shows how gracious our God is. That he would bring us through our thanksgiving and our prayer to him. You see how the accent continues to fall on God and not on us. And our final point, my final point, is his promise to us. Excuse me, his promise for us. The verse concludes saying this, And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. That's his promise for us. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is so much better than anxiety and fear. That's the promise that God has for us. Now, the desire that we have is for all of our prayers to be answered, for God to do these miraculous things that do move in our lives and take the adversity that we have and change it. Keep praying that. I want the things in my life that are difficult for God to move on. Keep praying that. But God promises something better than answers to our prayer. He promises himself. As we come to him, his promise here is himself. And as you come with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace, what? The peace of God. His very peace. Him. He will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God is with us. His peace is beyond what we can understand but it's not beyond what we can experience because he's promised this to us. The peace of God does pass all understanding. That's what the word says. The peace of God is a phrase. It's not found anywhere else in the Bible but here. One of the commentators, William Barclay, says it this way. That does not mean that the peace of God is such a mystery that man's mind cannot understand it, although that is true. It means that the peace of God is so precious that man's mind, with all of its skill and all of its knowledge, can never produce it. That's the promise that we have. That's a promise that God gives to us. And as Paul was, through his writing, speaking to the Philippians, He's speaking as a man who's experienced the truth of what he's pinning here in this letter. You see, when this church was established, and we have the record of this in Acts 16, 
I'm going to go there in just a moment for a portion of that passage. As the Philippians hear this for the first time, they know Paul. They know the history. They know what happened in the early part of the planning of this church. And they see a man that's encouraging them in a way that God has met him. Let's look at it together. Acts 16, 22 through 26 says this. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Anxious? What did they do? Praying. And singing hymns to God. Giving thanks through hymns. Singing. Not Overwhelmed, over-concerned, fearful. And look. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. See, Paul and Silas was his partner at this time. Paul and Silas had much to be anxious about. But they had a response that was a reflection that the peace of God was with them even then. And the peace of God is God's promise to you. Not that you won't be tempted with anxiety, but that when you are, pray. Not that you won't have adversity when you do pray. Because when you pray with thanksgiving, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard you, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul and Silas experienced. And that's the promise that we have with them as well. The presence and peace of God was greater than their trial. There's even more to this promise. It's that the Father promises not only to give us His peace, but to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Guarding our hearts and our minds. The peace of God. What a promise. D.A. Carson puts it this way. He's a commentator. He says, Paul does not expect that the answers to our prayers will most likely take us out of the problems, but our hearts and minds will be garrisoned by the peace of God. I want God guarding my heart, my mind. There's enough out there to make me anxious every day. But God is greater. Why? The Lord's at hand. And what does God say? Don't be anxious about anything. Anything. But in everything, all of it. With prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. To be anxiety-free in 2019, God's at hand. 
Look at what he's done in his promises. Finally, at the end of that passage, how does it end? The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind where? In Christ Jesus. You see, we are in Christ. As a believer, you're in Christ. Well, what does that mean? It means that you're justified. You've been declared not guilty of your sin. You've been given the righteousness of Christ. You've been reconciled with our almighty creator through Christ. You've been adopted into the family of God through Christ. You've been forgiven of your sins by Christ. So it helps even bring greater weight to the truth that he is with you. See, in 2019, regardless of what it holds for us, God has promised us his peace in greater abundance than our trials. We'll have trials. We'll have adversity. But the Lord is with you. The Lord is at hand. And his peace is real. Do you hear how the accent falls on God? Are you to pray? Absolutely. But the accent is on the power of God. Let me conclude with this. The main point I want you to remember out of this message this morning is the peace of God is always available through prayer. The peace of God is always available through prayer. And as far as application, let's just follow the passage. When you're feeling anxiety pressing in, pray. Take those very anxious thoughts and convert them to prayer. If you're like me, you can go hours with just these things going through my mind. Say, well, what do I think? How about, if I do, should I? I don't know. What will happen if I do? Convert it to prayer. Lord, help me with. What if I, Lord, would you? Lord, help me that you're there. Lord, think, convert to prayer. Just in your mind. And add thanksgiving. And church, let's spend more time praying about the things that concern us and less time thinking about the things that concern us. Let's take those thoughts and convert them to prayer. And let's be praying more. That's the direction in this psalm. And finally, let's let the accent fall where God puts it so that our emphasis is on God's work over our own. My final thought is for... Anyone here that is not a Christian, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. And as the end of that passage talked about, these are promises for those that are in Christ. If you've never put saving faith in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sin, these would not be promises for you. But they can be. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Our encouragement would be to believe in Christ that these promises would be yours as well. Talk to a Christian friend, someone here. Come up forward for prayer. We'd love to help you to see how your 2019 can be anxiety-free because God is with you. Please pray with me. Fathers, we come before you in prayer, thanking you for your glorious word. Now, Lord, asking your help. Lord, help us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. 
Lord, help us to do what your word says. Give us the direction in your spirit for us, Lord, to be aware of and to respond in prayer to adversity in our lives. And Lord, help us to be affected every day by the truth that you're with us and allowing your word to be where we focus. Father, we thank you for your word and we ask your blessing in our lives that our 2019 would be more characterized by our faith, Lord, than anxiety in any way. Father, in your name we pray. Amen.